Welcome to the Wise Birth Radio. We are women, students, and mamas exploring healthy pregnancies, empowered birth, nurtured postpartum, and natural parenting from a holistic, intuitive, and grounded experience. We share knowledge through interviews, stories, and musings. We hope to inspire you to take charge of your childbearing journey for yourself and your family. This show is intended to spark your own curiosity and encourage you to listen to your body, your baby, and your intuition. I'm Mabel. And I'm Sarah. And we are your hosts on Wise Birth Radio. All right, so in today's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about neonatal resuscitation, or the baby's first breaths and transition from living in the womb and being supported by the placenta to being outside and breathing air for the first time. So we just finished a class on neonatal resuscitation, and we just really wanted to reflect on what we've learned together and also to share with you some of the magic that a baby needs to perform to go from being in this watery womb environment to out in the world and breathing air. Yeah, so, I mean, being born is huge transition, probably one of the biggest that any of us will take in our life, besides probably giving birth ourselves and maybe dying. Um, and just to put it in the baby's perspective, the baby's been floating inside the mommy in this warm watery environment it's being breathed for it's being fed um and then the birth happens and it's being squeezed and moving through all these bones and then it comes out into the world of air which um could potentially be scary and intense and then its body needs to make all these huge changes its whole circulation system gets re rerouted and so where once the air was, the oxygen was coming through the placental blood, now the lungs basically need to start working. And um, the baby needs to learn how to breathe. Um, so one reason why the placenta is so essential, keeping the cord intact, is because the placenta is bringing the baby oxyg- oxygenated blood and... So while the cord is intact, the baby is receiving some oxygen, and so it has a little bit of a cushion, um, two to three minutes, some some sources say. And so the baby doesn't necessarily have to breathe the second it is born. So this is one reason why even um, babies who are having trouble... I'd say especially babies who are having trouble. Yeah, babies especially who are having trouble is why it's so important to have that cord intact because that is kind of like their little life vest almost um and so this blood is rushing in and surrounding the alveoli the little air sacs in the lungs are all these little capillaries or blood vessels and so the blood from the placenta is is going into those capillaries and filling them up and kind of helping the air sacs inflate you could think of it as like the tent poles in a tent and then um once they're inflated yeah, so once those are inflated and the baby's starting to take a couple breaths, the fluid that was in the alveoli starts to be replaced by air as the baby's breathing. And once they're full of air, the resistance in the blood vessels in the lungs decreases, which allows more blood to flow through the lungs to be fully oxygenated and taken throughout the body. So this is, you know, the very basics of the initial transition of the newborn circulatory system from being fully supported by the placenta to bringing its own oxygen into its body through its lungs. Um, And it takes about five full breaths for the newborn, for the fluid in the alveoli to be replaced by air. 
And so all of these changes in the circulatory system begin immediately after birth, but some of them may not be completed for hours or a day or a couple days. It all just depends on, you know, what the process is and what the baby's experience of transition has been. So along with being a really huge physical process uh, transition, being born is a pretty huge emotional and spiritual transition. Um, first, I mean, once again, being in the womb, you're surrounded completely engulfed in love and your mother and having everything, all your needs met. Um, you're transitioning from being a water mammal to a land mammal. You're no longer a little dolphin in there. Um, yeah, I mean, one of our teachers explained it as, imagine if you're in one of those sensory deprivation chambers where the water is the same temperature as your body and there's no lights and there's no sounds and there's no smells, although, you know, babies do hear sounds and feel things. But in this scenario, you're in a sensory, sensory deprivation chamber and then you get out, your time is up, you come out, and your friends are there so excited to see you again. And they made you your favorite food, and they got new towels, and they're like drying you off so you don't get cold. And they put a hat on you so your hair stays warm. And there's bright lights everywhere, and they're singing songs to you. And that would just feel so overwhelming. So imagine this baby coming from this dark, muted place where all the temperature is the same as its body, and then coming out, and it might experience cold for the first time. It will see lights for the first time in a new way. It will hear all these sounds that were, you know, a little further away, protected by that cushion of the amniotic sac and amniotic fluid. And it will smell smells, presumably, for the first time. I don't know. Do babies smell in utero? I think they do. Well, it'll smell new smells for the first time. It'll be stronger. I imagine it was like being in a hot bath and then stepping out of your bathroom into like a rave <laughs> yeah you know your children are screaming and there's blinking lights everywhere it's just so overwhelming and a lot of sensory input for this newborn to start processing and it's also something we were talking about a couple of days ago is that it's this newborn's first sense of separation from everything it's known it's the separation from the oneness of what its life was before into being its own individual being which i imagine could be hard to process yeah for sure you know you were connected to something that was giving you everything you need and you were part of that and maybe your spirit was still elsewhere part of some other being or galaxy or wherever your little baby spirit was and then all of a sudden it's in this body it's its own person it's the first experience of ego it's kind of it's intense to think about I hear about people saying they want to crawl back into the womb. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's a lot. Um, so back to like a little more sciencey perspective of things. Um, it can be scary, right? If a baby is born and it's not breathing right away. and But most babies will do it perfectly fine on their own. I think they say about 90%. And about 10% will need a little help breathing. And about 1% of that 10% will need a lot more help breathing. Um, so just to understand, like, the most likely problem that a baby will have is that it's just having trouble inflating its lungs. And it might be because it doesn't have the drive or the energy to take that breath. And 
often this can happen in a really long, exhausted labor or really fast labor or if, I mean, probably not going to happen at home, but if the mom was given some drugs in the hospital, many other reasons, but those are some of the common, common ones. Um, and so giving a baby a breath is the thing that we can do to help. Um, it's simple and this is probably going to solve the major problem. Um, and if it doesn't, it won't cause any other problems. Like right. if the baby was having another issue, that issue will still be there and giving the baby breaths won't have affected it at all. Right. And so it's, according to Karen Strange, she says that this is not going to hurt the baby. Um, she suggests you practice it on your partners and have them practice it on you just so you can know what it feels like. Yeah. Could, yeah. <laughs> we haven't done that, but... Um, so as a mom, some things that you could do if your baby is born and it's not breathing right away, maybe it's looking a little... A little floppy. A little floppy, a little purpley or blue. Um, the first thing you can do is talk to your baby and call it in. I think that's a really beautiful part is just like having that moment to connect on an energetic or spiritual level that this little being that's been inside of you is now outside of you and like Mabel was saying like its spirit could be there already or could be half somewhere else or maybe it's like on the train coming in but um, I think just as parents and as mothers we can make that connection to just welcome that baby and say hey like you're here we're so happy we're he you're here um, we've been waiting for you and we want you here and we love you and we care about you and just just really opening the door to that spirit. Um, so talking to the baby, stimulating the baby by rubbing its feet or giving a little rub on its back. And if that doesn't seem to be helping the baby, if the baby doesn't take its first breath um, after that, it usually means that it could use a little bit more help. And so you give the baby a breath. And so this would be, it's called positive pressure ventilation. And then you could you literally just hold the baby and take your mouth and put it on its mouth. You want to cover its mouth and its nose. And you take a deep, long, slow breath. And this is literally going to help its lungs inflate. So I just wanted to say that this sounds very medical. I mean, you know, you take a CPR class and you're like, all right, you've got to count to 34 or whatever the number is now and then give it three breaths and then turn in circles and jump up and down. But this is something that you as a mom can just feel intuitively like, oh, my baby needs more support in this. And you can just give it its own breaths if you really feel like that's what needs to happen. And whoever is there supporting your birth is also on the same train. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this could be a good time. Um, well, two things. I feel like as moms, there's just s such a strong intuition on our children's bodies. And um, I just, I have a birth story that has to do with breathing. But I just remembered there's this one time that my daughter was on my back. I think she was one. I had her in the carrier and I gave her a piece of an orange and she started choking on it. And I just intuitively bent over and I like bounced my back. And it was like I gave her the Heimlich from the baby, baby carrier and it just shot out. And I didn't think about it at all. It was just like my body knew what to do. And so I feel like this is one of those things. It's like you're like Mabel was saying before, you're not going to hurt your baby. You can't really do anything wrong. Um, so 
it just to me it feels just so natural yeah and there's a number of birth videos that we've watched that weren't specifically about like moms giving babies breath but you just see in that moment this mom is like oh my baby needs some extra assistance and they just bend down I don't know maybe to kiss it a little bit but either way it's stimulating the baby's lungs it's getting some air into its lungs mm-hmm. um, I also just wanted to share about like calling the baby's spirit and we listened to this beautiful podcast on taking back birth an interview with a woman who did give breath to her own baby and she was saying that the first breath she gave it she felt like she was breathing her spirit into this baby and it was so beautiful gave me shivers mm-hmm. uh, we'll put a link to that podcast in the show notes yeah definitely definitely listen to it um yeah and as far as like personal stories when my son my second baby was born um the waters broke and the midwife was like okay there's some meconium and I could tell she was a definitely a little nervous and he was born shortly after and I picked him up and I don't remember him being particularly floppy but I just intuitively picked him up and I sucked some gunk out of his mouth and I mean I think I had like heard of it once but I was like again I didn't think of it I just did it and he was totally fine he was so I wasn't there for that birth but one thing that struck me about that story when Sarah first told me is that it sounds like the midwife was kind of freaking out about the meconium. Yeah, and I literally said, he's fine. <laughs> and just sucked it up herself. <laughs> he's fine, he's fine. Um, yeah, so... So, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about if your baby is having a hard transition and maybe needs interventions or some extra assistance, that it's really great to explain to your baby what's happening. Some people say that birth is inherently traumatic for babies, and I'm not really sure that makes sense to me, but for me, trauma is when too much happens without the time to integrate it, so it's too much too fast. And so helping the baby to understand what's happening and to integrate it as it's going through these transitions and as it's receiving whatever support you're giving to it can be super helpful in your relationship with this baby and in this child's development in general. So you can explain to the child like, oh, we need to give you some breaths. It seems like your lungs aren't inflating well. We can say, oh, now this is happening or we're going to take you over here to do this. But whatever's happening, just explain it really well to your baby so he knows what's going on and isn't just immediately out of the womb and like, oh my God, people are doing things to me. What's happening? I think it's just really important to respect babies in that way and to understand that they're also little beings that need to know what's going on yeah I feel like and then taking that all the way through parenthood really I feel like for me like that's something that I actually even tried to do while I was pregnant like if something scary was happening I would just touch my belly and Mm -hmm. tell the baby you know I'm really stressed out right now but it's okay we're gonna be okay or that's really we're we're in this place right now we're at the movie theaters that's why (laughs) it's so loud and you're freaking out um but yeah, I think that's just a really beautiful relationship and form of communication to start from the very beginning. Um, and I see it now with Sarah's two-year-old. You know, if you turn off the movie or take away the snack, it's it's going to be a scream fest for a while. <laughs> but if you explain, like, all right, we're going to need to do something else now, or you've eaten enough raisins or watched enough Digger videos. <laughs> if you say it enough times, he gets it. He's like, all right, all right, I can do this. Yeah. What is the process? Um, So we just wanted to share a little bit about 
if your baby did need more help or maybe you don't feel comfortable giving breaths to your baby, what... Or maybe your midwife doesn't feel comfortable giving right. breaths to your baby. Right. Some some things a midwife might do if your baby is needing um, some extra help. So we talked about the ventilation breaths and often it's important that the baby is in a on a flat surface so that the airway is open because the baby's airway is very tiny. It was like three millimeters? Yeah, it's like the width of a cocktail straw or something. And so for that to be open, it needs to be in like just the right position. Um, so hopefully the midwife will keep the baby right next to you and have a, usually they use like a cutting board covered in cloth or something like that and can get the baby in the correct position and start giving the baby breaths, maybe with her mouth, may, maybe with a, a bag valve. Um, and then keeping the baby warm is really important. And often midwives will use plastic wrap or saran wrap or a big a plastic bag, a big plastic bag and literally put the baby in there so that they can see what's happening, see the baby taking breaths. But that plastic is keeping the baby warm because if the baby gets cold, it can put so much extra stress on the baby, and that's just not needed. It seemed a little funny to me the first time I saw a baby wrapped in saran wrap, but it's functional. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, and then some midwives carry oxygen. Some of them feel that this is the best way and to give the baby what it needs right then and there, and other midwives don't carry oxygen, and they feel like if the baby needs oxygen, then then it is more of a medical issue and that it should be brought to the hospital and given oxygen there. There's a whole oxygen debate on whether trying to resuscitate babies just with oxygen is actually helpful for their health in long term or if resuscitating with just the room air which is the mix of oxygen and carbon dioxide would be better for it. So it just yep. depends on who your care provider is if you have a care provider and it might be something good to talk to them about while in your pregnancy. You know, if something happens and you needed to resuscitate this baby, how would you how would you do that? Or could would you let me do that if it wasn't a super emergent situation? Yeah, or could you teach me more about it? Or we could practice mm -hmm. together um, so that I felt more comfortable to do it if I wanted to. Yeah. The other thing I just wanted to say was it's really helpful in a baby that's struggling to transition to definitely not cut the cord, but also you can have the placenta at a level that's above the baby, so the blood is there flowing with gravity into the baby from the placenta. So it gets all that extra good oxygenated blood. Um, and you can also milk the cord, so it's like, I mean, I guess it's a little bit like milking a cow. You just imagine <laughs> taking your hand and like pushing all the blood that's in the cord from the placenta towards the baby. So your baby can get all the blood possible. Yeah. So. I hope that this sparked lots of curiosity and inspires all of you to go digging deeper and maybe asking questions and opening more conversations. Um, or maybe even asking what happened at your own birth. Yeah. You know, were you resuscitated? Did you come out a little funny? How might that have impacted your growth and who you are today? Right, because these really, really deep, profound processes especially early on in our lives they impact us and they kind of can write write the first stories for how we function in mm -hmm. the world all really good things to meditate upon mm -hmm. um we also just want to say 
like we started, this could be potentially a scary and serious situation, or it could potentially not be that scary and, and very simple. And But it's, it's complex, and um, the whole process is is deep and we just inspire you to go looking and reading if you would like to learn more about the specifics of the transition and there's also Karen Strange is who we learned a lot of this from is an incredible woman and she's I don't know about during COVID but um, she has a website with lots of awesome webinars and lectures and um, she travels around the country and gives classes I think they're like three or four day workshops um so she is the expert Mm -hmm. I also just wanted to say that she was originally just a you know an NRP teacher Mm -hmm. um but then she started to think more about the fact that babies had their own experience of birth it wasn't just the mom and the care provider that babies had their own experience of this process and she started to think about how babies might experience resuscitation and how you can make resuscitation as baby friendly and cooperative with the baby as possible so i think that's a really beautiful perspective mm-hmm, definitely something we should all think more about in all aspects of pregnancy and birth and postpartum yeah absolutely so we'll put a link to her website in our show notes as well mm-hmm. um feel free to email or message us if you have any questions about this subject or any subject or if you have anything that you'd like to hear us chat about I think that's all for today. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.